I don't think it's very difficult. You're not planning your lessons. And even when you're teaching adults, if you're working for a company, almost all companies are providing you with materials. So you generally don't have to spend a lot of time where you're doing the the unpaid admin work, like like the things you think about when you're being a teacher. Welcome to the Digital Nomad Cafe podcast, the show where we discuss what it takes to create a sustainable long-term online business in today's fast-moving environment. We talk with industry experts and freelancers alike to find out what it takes to build and manage a location-independent business. Hello, welcome back. If this is your first time joining, then welcome. This podcast is for digital entrepreneurs carving out their slice of the online economy. To download my free guide on starting a business online, head over to digitalnomadcafe.com forward slash start. Today's guest is Christopher Rush from off2class.com. That's the letter two. Currently based in Florida, Chris spent two years traveling around USA as an online ESL teacher in his RV. And we discuss what that was like, as well as how the online teaching space has evolved since Christopher got started in 2012. We also talk about what the online teaching market currently looks like and the best tips and strategies for teachers looking to get started online in today's digital economy. This episode is for you if you're a freelancer, educator, or an aspiring digital nomad who wants to have the freedom to travel and work on your own time as an online ESL teacher. Make sure you stay tuned to the end where we discuss the best strategies for securing high-paying ESL jobs. Hope you enjoy this episode. Make sure to leave a review, subscribe, share with your friends or in any Facebook groups where you think people will benefit from this information. Thanks for listening. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Digital Nomad Cafe podcast. Today's guest is Christopher Rush. Christopher has spent two years traveling around the United States in an RV, financing his trip by being an online uh, ESL teacher. We're going to talk about being a domestic digital nomad, how to stay connected on the road and also how you can get into uh, online teaching and teaching online. Christopher, welcome to the show. Hey, Adam. Thanks so much. It's great to be here. I appreciate you having me. Oh, no problem at all. It's a, it's a very interesting nation, quite timely, the um, teach, you know, teaching online. Like the world has pivoted in a way nobody would ever thought possible. Uh, you know, like we really brought the future into the today. So uh, bef- before we get too too deep into it, like why don't you tell me a little bit about your own story and how you got into I'm teaching English online. Absolutely. So I'm an American and my teaching ESL online started back in 2012. So in 2012, there wasn't a whole lot of online ESL, but it started for me with a surf trip. I went on a surf trip to Costa Rica and Basically, the excuse that I gave myself for going was, oh, I'm going to take an in-person TEFL certification course while I'm there. So it really was surf trip first, TEFL certification second. And at that time, I really didn't have any plans to make a career out of it. It was just a thing to do because when I I was at home, I didn't really have a great career. I was working in restaurants and bartending, and I knew I didn't want to do that forever. So when I got home, I was like, well, I don't really want to travel. I, the, the popular thing to do with, with a TEFL certi- certificate is to travel the world and teach as you go. 
And I thought to myself, I wonder if I can do this online. I, I really didn't know if that was even possible. And it was in early 2013. That's when some of the, there were already companies who were getting into the space. So I was able to get hired as a freelance online teacher for a couple of companies. And I got started that way. Yeah, that's, um, you're right in that, like, you know, a lot of people when they're looking at the TEFL course, it's like, oh, teach English in Spain or teach English in Thailand or in Vietnam or something. But, you know, the the online approach, and especially back then, you know, seven years ago, it w- it would have been very new. But in recent years, it's really come on a lot. I mean, even I know uh, teachers who do freelance work teaching um, a lot of Chinese students um, online and people in the UAE and uh, places like that. So, yeah, can you talk to me a little bit about it? Because I mean, I, I'm I'm genuinely curious, and I don't know too much about it. Like, you know, do you have to become TEFL certified, or do the places where you would become hired from do they train you up to a certain degree? Like, what does it kind of look like for somebody who's interested in becoming a teacher online? Sure. Well, I'll talk about what the landscape looks today, right? Because obviously that's going to be more relevant for people who are sure. listening to this. Um, and and yes, right now, as you mentioned, the there's more, <laughs> the whole world has gotten into online learning. And it, it is very interesting because the education industry in general has been a little bit resistant to change. So uh, it, it really, you know, even though online learning has been around, it has been mature for a while now, a lot of institutions, you know, they were still really favoring in person. And and of course, all of that changed so, so fast. But yes, as you mentioned, out out of 10 jobs posted for being an online ESL teacher, probably eight of them are for teaching children in China. And that didn't exist in the past. That is the majority of what there is now. However, I do want to point out that, that that means that probably around 20% are still teaching adults who are in other parts of the world. So it really depends on kind of what your interests are. Because for me, like those, those companies with the Chinese kids, they weren't around then, but I always preferred working with adults. So even if I were getting into teaching online Uh, ESL for the first time today, I think I would be like, I don't really know if that's what I want to do. So if people are getting into it now and wanting to work for a company, there there are still a a wide variety of different types of companies that you can work for uh, that are really across all time zones and have you working with all types of students. So generally, a TEFL or a CELTA is required, one of those two. Uh, And so... Probably, if you want to be an online teacher, you're going to want to get one of those certifications. However, just like online teaching is big, there are many, many online TEFL uh, and even CELTA certification courses that are available at very reasonable prices. So my thought on it is it really is just a little kind of... um, it's a real business and they just kind of crank people through and you need to get the sheet of paper that says, so there's a variety of them out there. I know the one that's offered by bridge edu is reputable. There's a few others, but, but there are some that are less reputable, but at the end of the day, more often than not a a certificate is a certificate. And I don't know how I really, I'm not super aware of this, but I don't think that the companies that are hiring are really 
all that worried about where your certificate might come from as long as it's from, you know, a, a, one of the accredited places. So, so long as it's real. Yeah, I remember. Yes. So, so, I, you just reminded me of something awful funny was like when I was in Bangkok years ago, they would sell they would sell the ESL certs like in the markets and people would like wow. buy them. Like, wow. Just, you know, because there was such a demand over it. And look, I don't know if it was a real thing that people ever tried to use, but I just, I remember seeing it and thinking, God, that's funny. Imagine not even, imagine having the audacity to go in and try and teach English, but not even like do the work just to buy the certificate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, it's right. Those things yeah, exist but, for sure. Of course, yeah, yeah. But anyway, so look back back to the to the online world, and you know, so you're saying that the the, the Bridge EDU is a, is a well known one, and you know, who would who would be the other kind of players in the market, and you know, roughly what sort of what would it cost? I remember looking at a Celta years ago in Spain, and it was it was you know a few thousand. Is that kind of what yeah. you're talking to get into it? No, no, not at all. So, so here's I'm not an expert on this, but I do know that Celta is more common for for British English. And then if you are in Great Britain, you're probably going to see more common uh, Celtas and probably the language schools that are that are more based in Britain are going to be looking for more Celtas. So I from my limited understanding, the Celta does seem to be more in depth uh, than the TEFL. However, Sorry, go on. No, no, go ahead. But uh, the TEFL is a lot less expensive. So, you know, we're talking a few hundred dollars. And and of course, just like anything, you could spend thousands on more elaborate programs that have practicum aspects of it and, and all kinds of things. But generally, um, for a reputable program, you're you're going to spend somewhere between, you know, two and five hundred dollars. And the five hundred would really re- be on the high end. Yeah, for sure. I think I, once again, it's probably just because of my location and vicinity that like in Ireland and I know people who went to Spain to teach English and, you know, nobody would even look at you without the Celta over there. So that's probably like you're talking about is that British English. It's more of a European um thing. But OK, so like if I was something I find you know, interesting. I know a couple of teachers and being a teacher, Mm -hmm. like as in like they work in physical schools. Sure. And being being a teacher is uh, is like, I would say it's not an easy job. You know what I mean? Overworked (laughs) and underpaid will be a common expression, you know, but truthfully, because I mean, the lesson plans and the work that goes into it. And, you know, like, I feel like they have to be super prepared all it's like, there's no wing in it. Like you got to have everything on the ball. So, you know, I'm just curious, like, what does that look like in the online world, like you know, what, yeah. how how do you even begin structuring things? Like, do you join when you join with somebody? Do they have programs, or do you kind of have to have your own lesson plans? Like, what I have no idea. I'd love to know what does all that look like. Sure. Well, it's it's definitely easier. Um, you know, the, the overworked and underpaid it still applies to some degree, but I think it applies less because. If you're going to work for an online ESL company, 95% of them are going to supply you with the curriculum and generally with what you will need to be teaching. So, and look, especially with the children, with the children, you know, you've got the slides all there. So as far as, you know, teaching children has its own things because you need to manage 
making sure they're paying attention. And if there are groups of children, then you need to make sure that one isn't going to disrupt, right? But yeah, yeah. Pe- pedagogically speaking, I don't think it's very difficult. You, you're not planning your lessons. And even when you're teaching adults, if you're working for a company, almost all companies are providing you with materials. So you generally don't have to spend a lot of time where you're doing the the unpaid admin work, like the, like the things you think about when you're being a teacher, grading papers, lesson planning, all of those things. There's a lot less of that. Now, one thing that is super important to point out is that working as a freelancer for a company is just one way to go about online teaching. So, be, And the wages are much lower this way. If I had stayed going that route, I would not have been able to do to finance a, um, a, a two-year road trip. Would not have been possible. So I did it by going independent. And by going independent, I was able to charge my own prices. And so, you know, and this is, this is true more today than it ever was. Teaching online is just a commodity in the ESL world. The, the companies want to pay the teachers as little as possible. Teachers are always coming and they're always going. They're, they're, it's, the recruitment is out of control because teachers make more money often by recruiting other teachers than they do by actually teaching. So you see all of these recruitment links. And of course, it's full of misinformation about why this company is the best company. And it's really just so that teacher can get their commission when you sign up. So I think working for a company is a great place to start and build experience. But I really recommend going independent because that is where you'll be able to still maintain a lot of the the positive aspects of it. But you're not going to be a number. You're not going to be subject to someone else's rules. And you're going to have freedom of of scheduling and freedom of pricing. That all sounds interesting. But when we circle back on the, you know, 95% of the companies supply the curriculum, how do you get over that at that point? You know, when you when you're a freelancer, does that mean that you then need to do all that? Or is there like tools, websites, softwares where you can get all that information from, you know, and apply it yourself. Absolutely. Yes. So it used to mean you you had to do it all yourself, which is why it was harder and more time consuming because then you did get into that, you know, making lesson plans and things. But because this has become so popular, you know, the market has responded. So, so for years, I used off to class, you know, off to class.com is a company that sells lesson materials specifically for online ESL. So, and, and I actually am part of the team now, but for the years that I was an online teacher, I was a customer and I just used their material because using their material meant that I didn't have to lesson plan. So I got all of the benefit of working for a company, namely knowing exactly what to teach and when and having it all like laid out in a professional way. But I didn't have to deal with the negative aspects of it, of being paid only $10 an hour and working on, you know, not, not having control of my own schedule. For sure. No, I mean, like, like you said, there, there was an 
there was a niche in the market that was underserved. I often wonder this, you know, when I see teachers that are, how does somebody not sell these online for you? <laughs> you know, so right. it's great. To, it's great to hear that the ESL world at least has, has um, embraced it, you know, with, with the likes of off the class. And then that allowed you to, like you said, to, to be a freelancer, an independent contractor versus working for a company. So if you are an online ESL freelancer or independent contractor, where do you find work? Is it the typical places like your Upwork or is there marketplaces or is there? Like- There's marketplaces. Yeah, they're just for online ESL. It's amazing. So then this is another place where the market kind of filled a need that existed. And, and so look, in the past, you had, there was like a really big fork in the road. And the fork in the road was I either need to work for a company that doesn't care about me and is going to pay me low wages um, or I'm going to start my own online ESL business. And that means I need a website and a marketing plan and paid ads or content creation and all of the stuff that goes with building any online business. And those were two very different things. And of course, the income potential is is higher when you're going to start your own company. But just like any other online business, it's a lot of work up front that you're not going to be getting paid for until you start to get traction. And of course, most people never get to the place where they get traction. So there's a middle way. And the middle way is online teacher marketplaces. So the number one, and there's a few of them, but but the probably the biggest one is italki, um, italki.com. It's a language learning marketplace where you go to learn any language. And basically the way it works is I'm, I'm a teacher. I create a profile on italki.com, which means is a little video and some text to kind of entice a student to book a trial lesson with me. I set my own schedule. I set my own prices. Italki hosts my profile and they take a commission of every lesson that I teach on the, on the price that I set. So by doing it that way, italki takes care of advertising. Italki makes sure that there are students who are looking at my profile. Italki takes care of the payments so I don't have to worry about setting up payment processors and all those things. So it's not fully independent, but I still get those benefits of my own schedule, my own prices, and my own students where I'm not beholden to somebody's teaching method. My only priority is making sure my students are happy and by using off to class, I always have something that I can, that I is ready to teach. Yeah, that, that sounds, um, like that's cool. You know what I mean? Like that's cool how it all works. So you kind of can get the lesson plans on one side and then you have the marketplace on the other. Are you able to pitch what I talk you or is it only like a place where if I wanted to learn, I would go and I would look for teachers or is it like, is there an ability to like, pitch for the people who are looking like what what does that kind of look like or is it you know a yeah right so so the way that you pitch is by making a really enticing video um because potential students it's like window shopping right it's like you're walking through a shopping mall and you are looking at all the window displays and deciding which store you're going to enter. So on italki, students will browse through hundreds of teachers and they watch the the teacher's intro video 
and they decide which teacher they're going to book a trial lesson with. And I think here's the really interesting thing. Being a good teacher and making a good video that has solid sales and marketing principles and good videography, those are two completely unrelated skills. So you have a lot of really great teachers who might have years of experience and, and be super qualified, but they feel awkward on camera and it shows. So they struggle. So the ones who do the best business on a marketplace like italki, and there are others verbally prepping, and there's smaller ones that are coming up all the time. The ones who do the best are the ones who are able to make a really powerful video. So it's not all the marketing that you need to do to make your own online business, but you do have to know enough marketing to make yourself a really enticing video because that is what will get students. And then once students book a trial lesson, you have to have enough sales savvy to be able to walk that student through that trial lesson process and convince them to buy more lessons with you at your regular price because the trial lesson price you usually set as lower than the price of your regular lessons. For sure. No, I mean, that's that's interesting. And I think it is uncomfortable for a lot of people to go on camera for the first time. Um, but I mean, even if the video isn't super great, you can always get, I'm a huge advocate for Fiverr. I, you know, gig economy, like you're talking about shopping right. online. I shop on Fiverr like people shop for clothes. You know what I mean? I'm on there, <laughs> right. I'm just like, bookmarking graphic designers and bookmarking copywriters and bookmark like I just I genuinely I go on there and I'll just bookmark a lot of stuff and then when I I need them for different projects it's already you know <laughs> it's already been done but um the video it's, it's kind of similar in that the video and the graphic is what catches your eye so you know if if you're I, I guess if you want a video that, that really stands out or you need it to be edited or touched up like you know just jump on fiverr.com and pay somebody whatever 10 or 20 quid and you know to make it look cool for you if that's kind of the angle that you're um, you know, if, if you felt that you wanted to add something a little bit different to stand out in that marketplace. Absolutely. And, and look, it's it, it's also the landscape of video editing is much easier than it was even five years ago. I mean, now there are phone apps that that can can do a really great job of adding effects, trimming out where you say um and, and all of those things. And of course, now. If you have if you have a, a a higher end smartphone, that the camera in that smartphone is going to be better than any webcam. So it, things have really come a long way, both both in terms of the gig economy, right? Because I I don't know Fiverr. I guess Fiverr was probably around five years ago, but it definitely wasn't what it is now. Both in terms of finding resources to get help and the resources to do it yourself. For sure. It's um yeah I don't know how long Fiverr's around but it's it's one of those things where uh I I kind of really like it you know like I've I've always used it on and off for different odd things but video is definitely something I am not skilled at nor do I have the desire to learn the skills so sure <laughs> anytime, yeah anytime I want to do it I'm just like oh just jump in there it's never a Fiverr though that's the catch like it's it's a clever name but nothing is ever a Fiverr <laughs> right yeah that's right <laughs> you know that's the difference between now and five years ago five years ago it really was just a Fiverr for a job but now it's not. No, now it's not if you want anything good. So look, I'm really curious. So when you, so you went, you went online, you, you know, went to become a freelance uh, online teacher and you did this while you were traveling around America. So I'm quite curious about this. Like how, 
How do you manage to do that? Like, you know what I mean? What do you have? Is there certain types of internet that you need? Is there a certain rig out that you need in your RV? Um, yeah. Know, talk, talk to me a little bit about it, man, because it's a, it sounds like such a cool thing to do, like to be able to travel around, teach English online. Everything's good. You know, like set your own schedule. Obviously, there's the sales element of it too, but like it's, it seems like quite a nice and cool thing to be able to do, you know? Yeah. So, so I'll start big picture and then I'll go little picture. So, so big picture is that having italki and off to class in place meant that I, I could spend very little time, quote unquote, running my business. It meant that I could maximize my time that was spent in the car driving from place to place because, you know, you're covering a lot of ground in the U.S., and maximizing the amount of time that I could spend experiencing the places where I was. So as much as it's great to build a business, again, bu- building a business is quite a bit of work. So having the, the marketplace in Italki and having everything that I knew I wanted to teach in off to class, it really meant that I could just show up. I had a really great model. So that's big, that's big picture. And I, and I cut my teeth gaining experience before I left. So by the time I was really ready to start my journey, I was, I wasn't really having a big learning curve, right? I already kind of knew how everything needed to run. So, so that was important because it would have been a lot more difficult to try to figure all of that out spending a couple hours, you know, every day or every few days in the car or being at a campsite or things like that. Now, to get to those kind of more practical details, yeah, in- internet is tricky <laughs> for sure. Um, and so, number one, I did a lot of Starbucks teaching. Oh boy, I've spent so many hours of my life in Starbucks. And <laughs> I, so that was, that gave me reliable internet and consistent internet. Um, and I used equipment to handle things like background noise. So the headset that I use to teach, it's actually a headset meant for truckers. And it's, it's intended for truckers because it's got this really powerful noise cancellation software in the headset. So it's the kind of headset where a trucker can be driving down the highway you know, with the giant diesel engine and the person on the other end of the call, it'll sound like they're in a quiet room. So cool. <laughs> that really, so, and, and look, it's a really niche thing, right? Like nobody needs noise cancellation that powerful except for truckers. But I found that to be really helpful when I was in a busy Starbucks because, you know, so, someone who's not a native English speaker and depending on what their level is, adding all that background noise, it makes it a lot more difficult. So it's like you learn little tricks like that. Like, oh boy, Starbucks teaching, this is a real pain. How do I get around this? Okay, let me get a headset that has really great noise canceling. The, the other thing is managing my own internet. Um, because yeah, like I had a little, I had a hotspot. And, and this was like, you know, before phones became primary hotspots. So I had like a little separate hotspot. And I had a couple of months while I was getting this stuff figured out that, yeah, I had like $350 data bills. And I was like, this is no good. I can't, I can't keep doing this. So looking into the RVing community, the RV community 
is all is all about how do we get internet and they have like these antennas and this and that so so what i ended up doing uh there was a loophole because they uh at, at the time AT&T had a connected car device and right. this connected car device was intended to make your car into a mobile hotspot it actually plugged in to the port that your mechanic uses if you have a, a um, like a check engine light, the mechanic plugs their machine in. It's a code reader and it, that it'll tell them the mechanic what is actually the problem with your car. So it plugs into this port that's only in vehicles and it makes your car into a mobile hotspot. So but because it was a car mobile hotspot, they didn't anticipate that people would be using it too heavily. So they didn't put a data cap on it. So it was unlimited data through this little little plug-in modem. And then people uh, on eBay had made adapters so that you could plug it into the wall. You would plug it into the uh, you would plug it into the the device into this thing and then plug the other end of the of the thing into the wall. So once I was able to do that, I basically had unlimited internet and i don't know if this is still available if you want to check it out it's the device is called a mobley m-o-b-l-e-y i still have this thing and i still have unlimited data on it so i and i don't know if i i think it might be because as long as i keep my plan active but definitely for people who are looking for internet on the go see if the mobley device is still available because that was a super super great loophole for me i was not expecting that (laughs) I thought you were going to say, I noticed this one company called Skyroam. And I thought I was like 100% that was going to be the answer, but not at all. What an interesting, uh, what an interesting story, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, and look, there, there are all kinds of solutions. So for example, um, for a few hundred dollars, you can buy like a very sensitive antenna. And the really sensitive antenna is meant to pick up far away Wi-Fi signals, so people use that. Now, I've never used one. So I I couldn't attest personally to the quality, but yeah, there are a lot of RVers out there. They're a creative bunch and they're always trying to figure out the best ways that they can get themselves internet. So at least in the United States, I found that to be super helpful by getting involved on like the RVer forums because that's where that information was being shared. Yeah, they're mad into it. I interviewed um, Bill and Kayla from thewanderingrv.com uh, a, a while back, and they have a, an authority website that is all about RVing, you know, and it's uh, like it's, it's like a big affiliate website, you know, like best, like you're talking about best antenna for RVs and best, ah. I don't know, best toilet for RVs and best this for that. And it's a huge website with, you know, tens of thousands of traffic. It's a really successful blog. Um, but yeah, they created that sort of a community that you're, you're talking about, you know, that answers a lot of these questions. And then, you know, they link out to Amazon and that's, you know, how they make the right. money. Right. Yeah, that that is super helpful. Yeah, I just checked out their website now, and it was exactly a website like this that I learned about the Mobley. Oh, for sure, man. They they did it. They uh, they don't live in it anymore, but they did for a while while they were traveling around. And yeah, just building this website. So like kind of different ball game, but they'd saved up a, a ball of money. I think if I remember, I could be wrong. <laughs> I'll have to listen back to it, but I know that the website does really well. But um, yeah. Yeah. So look, so that's, so that's really cool. So like, you know, managing it on the go is not too bad. It's kind of like a mix, really. It's like anything. It's like, you know, when you're, 
you know, if I'm traveling away and I'm off in different places, you know, it's you tend to gravitate towards the Costa or the Starbucks or the whatever is the the cafe of choice, and you go and you work there for a couple hours. And um, you know, if you have important things you want to do, I like the tip on the noise cancellation headphones. Like you said, it's not like you're just sitting there listening to music, which they're good for too. But like you're in there and you need to pay specific attention to somebody who whose language isn't you know the first language isn't English, hence they're on there with you. So they need, you know what I mean? You're giving them that respect and you're, you're also putting yourself in that position. We're not going to be like, oh, sorry, sorry, I can't hear you. Right. Like, you know, yeah. And, then they're, going to and, be they're, like, and they're not hearing all the background noise. Yeah. Yeah, of course, and, you know. And choosing Starbucks was intentional because Star- Starbucks is a, is a corporate entity. And so the people who are working at a particular Starbucks generally don't care if I order a $2 coffee and sit there using their internet for four hours, right? Um, Now that is not the case in a mom and pop coffee shop. And so I would try to be aware of that. Like sometimes instead of going to a Starbucks, if it was a mom and pop coffee shop, then I would need to make sure that I got a another bakery item and another cup of coffee, you know, every hour that I was there because I, you know, I know that that local businesses can be sensitive to that and I want it to be respectful. So you kind of have to pay it, you know, just pay that kind of attention. But I did gravitate to Starbucks because nobody there minded. For sure, man. I mean, there's that. Uh, it's so funny you say that because there's there's a moment, I think, everywhere, no matter where you are, maybe not so much with the likes of Starbucks, but like when you're sitting there and you've been there for a while and you're like, should I order or should I leave? <laughs> right. like, you kind of get this weird guilt feeling. You're like, oh, I've been here yeah. for a while. Should I order more stuff or am I okay? It's like this weird internal dialogue that goes on inside your own head. But yeah, more so for... Uh, yeah, less less mainstream, you know. Starbucks, you're like, ah, I mean, I don't care. I'll sit here until somebody comes over and tells me get up. Yeah, and nobody ever will. <laughs> no, nobody ever will because they just they don't care enough. Uh, unless it's yeah. packed, but then there's right. Uh, unless it's an, packed, another, yeah. Unless it's packed, and then maybe you do have a another internal dialogue of yourself. Where you're like, should I just get out of here? <laughs> right. Uh, you know. But um. Oh look, this is sweet. So look, what um. You know, so we we've kind of covered, um. You know, what the online landscape looks like for for um teaching English as a foreign language online to different marketplaces, living and working on the road. So, you know, what would be kind of your tips for somebody who's listening to this and maybe they have, um, you know, they're interested in freelancing. Maybe they're, you know, they could be writers, it could be teachers, it could be anything. And we get all sorts of people listening. So like if somebody sure. who was interested in getting into this, this game, like what would kind of be your, your, um, your final thoughts to those people? Sure. Okay. So, um, for people, who, someone who's interested in getting into online ESL, what I recommend is you want to look into getting certified. So that's the biggest barrier of entry is certification. Uh, and I would stick with like a bridge.edu or um, another one is uh, ITTT that that's and it's like international TEFL and TESOL training. Uh, one of those kind of courses and you want the 120 hour course and you, because there's all kinds, there's a 60 hour course there's a 300 hour course, blah, blah, blah. The 120 is kind of the sweet spot. So you want to get your 120 hour TEFL certification. It's going to cost you anywhere between, let's say, 150 and $350. Once you have that, you're hireable basically at every online school in the world. Um, so what I might recommend 
if if you're new to online and you're nervous about it and you feel like shaky and you don't have confidence in teaching online, then maybe you could start with working for a company and then you can sort of gain some experience. However, the moment you feel confident or for people who are very accustomed to being online, you know, have no problem looking into a camera and those kinds of things, I would jump right into a marketplace. Italki, Verbling, Preply, Tutor ID. There, uh, there's a so so many. Some are big, some are small. Just apply to as many as you can. Get yourself on as many marketplaces as possible, and you can use a tool like Off to Class that will supply all of your teaching materials. It will give you a placement test to send someone so that you know what level they are and their their mistakes that they make on the test are matched to the lessons that are in the lesson library that will fix those mistakes. So you're always going to know what to teach. Off to class has a free account. So even if even if you don't even know if you're going to stick with this, you can sign up for an off to class free account and and you're going to get access to all of the most important stuff. The other helpful thing about off to class is because we focus so heavily on empowering online ESL teachers. Once you sign up for off to class, they're going to send you lots of resources. So they'll send you like a Facebook group invite with all online teachers. They'll send you like professional development, like webinars, resources on how to do your trial lessons, how to set up your um, your teaching profile so it attracts students. So off to class was kind of built to be a sort of hub for people who are new to online ESL and then link them out and connect them to all the various resources that they need to help themselves get started. That's awesome, my man. I love this. This is very interesting and, and um, inspiring or something that, I mean, I think lots of people listening to this w- would be very interested in uh, you know, teaching English online as opposed to having to you know, travel and go to like certain countries. I get that there's an experience element to that too, but I think this is a really cool way to um, you know, establish yourself as a freelancer and, um, you know, make your, make your living online in today's world. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think the, the other helpful thing about an off to class free account is that because it's free and, and because there are like, there are really detailed teacher's notes, it is possible for anyone to, who sees the need for ESL in their either local community or in their online community to use that material to teach others, whether it's on a volunteer basis um, and honestly, whether you have experience teaching or not, you know, even anyone could just sign up for a free account and get into the lessons and the lessons have those teacher notes. So they're there to support you. So even if you're like, oh, I feel really unconfident and I don't know my grammar so well, um, because that's always how it is, right? We're the na- we're native speakers. So as native speakers, we know grammar the least because we Shocking. we got grammar by memorizing patterns, not by learning rules and applying them. And then that's a whole other ball of wax that's not for today. But that's where a lot of people are weak at first. But off the class does give those teachers teacher notes so that even people who don't have a teaching background can open up a lesson and feel supported if they want to, for example, offer free online classes to people in their community to kind of help support during lockdown or whatever the case may be. For sure, man. Like it, it sounds like a brilliant solution to a much needed part of the online teaching experience, you know, in terms of 
the community, the support, um, you know, resource and out to everything that you need, all these detailed notes, the ability to assess um, you know, your your students and their levels and then auto create the right, you know, the, the, the right lessons or auto recommend the right things based upon their levels. So like I think it sounds like a really intuitive solution and like you're saying with a free plan you know, it'd be silly if you're looking to get into this to not uh, head over to offtheclass.com and get started. Chris, thank you very much for joining us today. It's been a great episode. Yeah, Adam, thanks so much for having me. Really nice chatting. Nice. And thanks to all the listeners too. Take care. Okay. Thanks, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Digital Nomad Cafe podcast. Head over to the website to access the resources and links mentioned in today's episode at digitalnomadcafe.com.